0: This is KMTT, K'Imitzion Tetzei Torah. This is Ezra Bek, and this is the weekly shear on the topics in uh, theology and Torah. This is the third week. The previous two weeks, we spoke about the meaning of the concept of Tzadim Elohim. Specifically, as I defined it, to what extent is it true? And what do we mean when we say that God is in the world? And God meets man in the world. And this I said is the notion of Tzel Madokim which is defined in terms of man. Man is created in the image of God means that man has the potential to approach continually and infinitely to approach to become more like to transcend himself and become more and more like God. And that itself is a Godly characteristic. And that is the presence of God in the world. I'd like to speak today about what you might view as being a practical question. This idea that man can transcend himself, that man creates ex nihilo, yesh Ayin a new level, a new stature, a new value. Man adds real value to his own existence. But how is that done? Logically, it's a problem because how can you add more than was there beforehand? We're not talking about just unfolding of hidden potential. It's not the tree growing out of the acorn. It's man really being more than he was before. Which is why it's sentimental, Kim, and not a natural process. It's a divine process. It's a supernatural process. So logically, how is it done? Of course, the answer is, you, know, you don't need an answer. I just said it's supernatural. The answer is that it's a miracle. But you have to be very careful about saying that because I don't mean that God does it for you, which would destroy. It would ruin the entire notion. The idea is that man has the ability. It's Man was created, B'Tselem A'Lukim. God, when He made man, v'yipach Apav nishmat Hayim, God breathed into him the breath of life and gave him the ability to actually create himself and add value to his own existence. So I must be very careful about saying well, it's a miracle. I don't mean that God does it for you. Man does it. But you could still answer well, I don't know how it's done and in fact I'm going to answer it in the end. I don't want to raise your expectations. Yes, it isn't. It doesn't have a natural explanation. I don't want it to have a natural explanation. But practically speaking, w- where does it come from? Where does the... Where does the power... Where is the ability... Where does the energy... What factor moves man from step to step? And here I think... Yiddishkeit has a has a very simple answer one that is very very essential to the practice of hadus, both of those who perhaps understand the principle or philosophize about it and those who don't and the answer is in actions if a person stands in front of the mirror and says to himself I would like to be more good than I am. I want to have more value than I have. I want to be closer to God than I am. I wish to be more godlike than I am. Nothing happens. Here, the logical law that says you can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps is correct. It's not in wanting or desiring or willing that man changes and becomes something new. The answer of Yadus is that man approaches God and changes himself into being something else through actions, through interactions with the real world. And this takes place on two levels. One level, I think, is familiar to us because we more or less speak that way. It's it's a natural way to look at it, even though the normal description is a little bit less. It's almost what I want to say, but a little bit less. When a person faces an unusual challenge, life goes on, and one day there is a crisis that demands of a person to show unexpected, unusual strength of character, bravery, courage, uh, persistence, perseverance. And he rises to the occasion. These are all phrases we use all the time to describe these things. He rose to the occasion. Or, well that's almost what I want to say, a person finds within himself strength that he didn't know existed. A person was tested on the battlefield of life. And, and there's a there's a phenomenon which is described by by writers by by authors and occasionally we merit to experience it ourselves where a person discovers within himself strength that even he didn't know existed when did he discover that not by looking I look in the mirror and I say wow I really am better but when you were tested by a real action you had to decide do I fail or succeed? Do I retreat or do I persevere? You say, but I can't. I have no strengths left. I've never done anything like this. And something motivates you to, to find strengths that weren't there before, that's a transforming experience. Afterwards, the person is a different person than he was before. Now, the phrase that's used to describe it is what I just used. A person discovers in himself strengths that he didn't know existed I think what takes place Yiddishkeit says that what takes place is a person discovers in himself strengths that didn't exist not that he didn't know existed they really weren't there how can you discover in yourself something which isn't there you can't discover it if it's not there that's the notion of Tz. Mavukim it is within you as pure potential it's not what you are in actuality but you were created B'Tselem Elokim The image that represents that to which you aspire to be is Elokim and therefore you can find within that definition, you go back to the original decree of God You go back to that sentence of God and you find within it I am created with you find present which is what, that which is not present you find the potential of that which is not actual and you actualize it and when do you do that or not when do you do that not at what time do you do that but how do you do that you do that by actually doing it you do it by actually solving the problem by actually crossing the bridge by actually climbing the mountain By actually straining your abilities and expanding them beyond what they were before. And the way to expand them is by actually using them in what you're doing. Now that's an extraordinary occurrence which happens once in a blue moon. Life provides for a person occasionally the test of his mettle the opportunity to, 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 to transcend, to, to jump above himself. But it's essential in the understanding of Torah u mitzvot the actual performance of Mitzvot, in the Torah, that there's another version, minor, not so minor, there's another version of the same thing, not the extraordinary transforming jump into the unknown. But the day-to-day repetition of actions which draw out from within us a deeper a deeper commitment a deeper understanding a deeper performance of the same thing. I'll give you an example which is very famous taken from the Sefer Achinuch. Chinuch in the Mitzvah says, asks, and why did God command us to give Tzedakah? And he answers, not because God wished to solve the problem of the pauper, of the poor man. If the aim of Tzedakah, from God's point of view now, if the reason why God commands Tzedakah is so that poor people should have money, then God could have given him the money himself. The aim isn't that poor people should have money. The aim is that rich people should give money. And the reason is, says the Chinach, because God wishes us to be merciful. He wishes us to, to inculcate the attribute of sympathy. But how does one inculcate mercy into one's being? The answer is, by giving tzedakah. This is obviously reversed. The usual logical connection. Normally we would say that, if you're merciful, you give charity. If you're charitable, you give charity. The Khinik says, if you give charity, then you will become charitable. He's not saying, in some sort of a tautological uh, removal of human qualities, that if you give charity, you're charitable, it doesn't make a difference what you feel. No, he's saying that the inner characteristic of being charitable, which is part of human existence, but how does it get there? It gets there by acting in a charitable manner. If you aren't so charitable, if you don't feel a great deal of mercy and love for other people, but you give stucker anyhow because God has commanded it. Because you want to follow God's commands. Because you want to be merciful. Because you want to do the right thing. What does it doesn't make a difference? If you engage in acts of charity then that changes your personality. And that, of course, God cannot do directly. If God wants us to be good He could have made us good but that would undermine free will. God wants us to be good and therefore He commands us to do good things and therefore we become more and more good. We become better. We transcend. We perfect our own personalities by engaging day by day, hour by hour, not in great revolutionary actions, but in the flow of the constant human interaction which is environment with other people, with the environment, with occurrences, with events. And each action that requires a choice because I still retain the ability not to answer in the proper manner, not to respond to the challenge, not to respond to the minor challenge, not to respond to the opportunity. I can walk in the street and not give charity to the poor. And my decision to do so strengthens, not by a leap of miles into the sky, but one small step in the direction of becoming more and more and similar to Lahu af Afata haye Just as God is merciful, so you should be merciful, you should act mercifully and become merciful. Now there's not that great a difference between the two cases. I think it's only a difference of of degree. There are times when a person reaches the point where, yes, it's time for him to so to speak Graduate to the next class, not to continue on the continuum of this class, but to move up a whole level. And then God will send, Bashi Chachapati, divine providence will organize for a person the opportunity to to face something that's transforming. But in principle, it's the same. It's the same thing. We call the first one trial and tribulation. The second we call living. <laughs> we call human experience. But they're both based on one: the reversal that actions create character, and two, on the miracle, that actions create character that wasn't there. Now you'll say, quite correctly, and I agree, it's still a paradox. Because for this to work, a person has to do an action which exhibits more quality than he had before. In other words, I have to, when I give Stucker. If I'm only expressing the level of goodness, of mercy, of charitability that I already possess, then it's not going to move me up a step. I think that's true. So there's always a bit of a trial. In other words, it always demands of you more than simply flows naturally out of the pores of your being. I think a person walking in the street and, and, and there's this fellow who sits by the entrance of the subway and with his hand outstretched and every day you drop a nickel into his, into his jaw. then at some point we're no longer engaged in the process that I'm, that I'm describing. Because it's automatic. It's wonderful that it's automatic. You're a good person and you do good things. But if there's no challenge whatsoever, if it doesn't involve a choice, a real choice, If you're not capable of actually choosing between not doing it and yes doing it, then it's not calling out. It's not drawing out from you anything more than what's already there. And that's why I think life experiences are more or less trials and tribulations, just on a minor level. They don't transform you. They add drop by drop to the deepening Of the human experience, and to the, and to the heightening of the resemblance, of the imitatio Dei, the resemblance to God as the absolute virtue, the absolute of all values. We will, at another time, we're going to talk about divine providence, but why does sometimes, as a man face a great decision. Sometimes, very often he doesn't. So, you can trust God. God sends to man the experience that he needs. Sometimes you need to, to break the old mold and, and to jump ten feet above yourself. But mostly, you have to take one small step. The expression used by, by Jewish tradition, to go from strength to strength, from step to step, for now and forever. That's the meaning of life. Life is to go, is to walk. Not to jump. Not necessarily to jump. But the important principle here is that to perfect oneself is described as to walk. To move closer to God. And in the Torah, when we say la it's la the performance of mitzvot is to walk in God's path. And the performance of mitzvot is the practical method by which one manages to do the impossible. To pull oneself up by one's bootstraps. And the reason, although it's still a non-natural thing, the reason is because there is something more than you there. When a person meets the concrete, actual world with its problems, which things which need to be overcome, then he can overcome. In the comfort of your chair, sitting and staring in the mirror, saying, I wish to overcome my natural reluctance to be charitable, and therefore I will become more charitable by not actually putting out the energy to do something you haven't changed yourself at all. So I think we've discovered what the actual method is. The method is to put out energy. Person, It's not mental energy. person has to strain his charitableness to become more charitable. It's sort of like exercise. You have to strain your muscles to become more muscular. You have to strain your ability to be charitable become more charitable and just as you can't do exercise if you don't have a floor to push on you can't do charity exercises and become more charitable if you don't have a poor person a problem to push on The Chas Kreskas in Sefer HaShem says that this is the meaning of the Akedah the Akedah is described as being an isayon, a test and of course asked the famous question which all commentators ask what is a test? why does God test man? In order to know the results, but He knows the results. And what Chesai's answer is, God tests man in the sense of making. Having man, me, make himself. The way you test in a crucible the metal you are, you are, you are forging. The Akeda, for Avam Avinu, was in order for Avam Avinu to become a greater person than he was. At the end of the Akedah, if you recall, God says to Avram Avinu, "You shouldn't kill Yitzhak. because he doesn't have to anymore." Because Atayadati, now I know ki Elokim for you that you are a God-fearing individual that you fear God. It says Atayadati, now I know ask. I mean, now I know. God knew something he didn't know before. God knows everything. God knows how God-fearing Avraham Avinu is. He can just look into his heart and see that he is willing to do anything for God. You don't have to actually ask him to do it. You can weigh him. And Rav Chesvay Kreskas' answer is that God says Now I know Atayadati not because before it was true but God didn't know it, but because before it wasn't true, so of course He didn't know it. Avam Avinu becomes rei elokim by dragging himself up that mountain and almost slaughtering his son Yitzhak in a manner that was not true beforehand. Even when he woke in the morning and said he was willing to go, he went after all before the Akedah was a man who if you asked him, if God asked him go and slaughter your son he would have said yes. But that doesn't compare to where he was after the Akedah. Because after the Akedah he actually walked for three days and actually picked up Yitzhak and actually bound him to the Mizbech and actually raised his arm with the with the knife in the arm. he almost slaughtered him. And the other Merger says that he did slaughter him. And therefore God says, Atayadati, you are now a different individual. You are now in a deeper sense, you're on a different level of yirat yirat Hashem. The phrase in Rav is Achrei hama'asim Holech Halev The heart follows the actions and not actions follow the heart. This is true of a great, transforming, catastrophic action like the Akedah. Once in Abraham Avinu's life, once in human history, perhaps. But, Rav Chastri claims, no, 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 that, that's true of everything. The principle, Achrei Hamasim Aleich is true of everything. It creates new characteristics, and surely it strengthens those characteristics which exist, which exist beforehand. This explains the extraordinary emphasis placed in Yiddish on ma'asim, on actions. It is quite correct to say that the Yisod, the most important principle, the basis, the foundation, the entire life of Judaism is to act. I'm not discussing now the question of the relation between actions and beliefs. I've actually discussed the relation between actions and, and characteristics. Between personality and actions, but it's true for. But it it has an it has an effect on the on the previous question as well. There's such an emphasis in Yiddishkeit on actions that we often come to the conclusion, and it's a great debate: how important are beliefs at all? It's it's that's a cadre to the same problem. It's not a problem. It's a cadre to the same situation. Yiddishkeit is about what you do. And the explanation is. Not that we don't care who you are, but who you are is what you do. And therefore, faith and love and emotions and and feeling good doesn't cut ice. Not because it's not important, but because it's finite. The way you are is the way you are. That's a snapshot, that's actuality. So you're a good person. Being a good person isn't interesting. Being a good person is not the reason why the world was created. Being a good person is not what you were created for. You were created to be like God. To be a good God, not to be a good person. And so if you have a great deal of nice things in you and you express them, then you're a good human being, you're a good creature. Relatively better than the ant, but not all that much different. Not on the scale of one to infinity not on the scale of God to be like God to have God in your life then you have to be infinity or approaching infinity you have to not to be good but you have to be becoming better and the only way a person becomes better is by acting out betterment by acting out goodness when you act out goodness you become better and better from second to second. I think we all recognize this as a psychological truth. Well, in both cases. In the, in, the, in the dramatic, overwhelming revolutionary case and in the other cases as well. We know it's true that a person who doesn't just think about things. Funny people are good. In modern society, very often, not always but very often many people are there, they, have, you know, they have decent lives they have good lives they're not bad people but they don't know any poor people they live in a gated closed upper class community and if no one has been sick no earthquakes no hurricanes they've never had to do anything more than get up in the morning and roam around they're not really good either they're not bad they're sweet but you're not sure you can rely on them in an emergency a person who's been tested by having to overcome overcome adversity or overcome other people's adversity or overcome any problem whatsoever his goodness is real because he's really produced I'm saying the explanation he's produced more now we, we we know that's true psychologically but if we didn't have the theological basis that Yiddishkeit provides, we would say, well, you know, maybe it's buried so deep it's hard to get out. If you take it out often enough, then it's at your fingertips. But it must have been there all the time. He was a good person. It just, you know, he, he didn't know it was there. He didn't know where to look for it. Now he knows. Yiddishkeit says much more than that. He really wasn't that good a person. You cannot, babies are not good. If you live in a cocoon, you're not really good only if you go from step to step and that means you're engaged in real activities and real activities have to reflect the real world it's not in the heavens it's in It's in you, in your hearts, in your mouth to do, the Pasuk says in the end of the Torah it's not in the heavens and it's not over the seas it's in you to do when you do it's in you if you don't do then it's all it's all potential and potential doesn't really exist I return to the point I made last week the paradox of the concept of lokim, if you try to grasp it in your hand, if you try to weigh it if you try to quantify it there's nothing there it's pure potential as soon as you try to say, well, what is it, if you start giving that value, you're creating, you're, you're, you're committing idolatry. The value is in the ability to keep going. Going, walking, is actions. If you take a vacation, I've done a lot of work, I've become a good person, according to your theory, and now it's time for me to enjoy my retirement benefits. As soon as you stop w- walking, there's nothing there. Or there's, there's some finite amount there, but there's no value. There's no divine value. There's no God there. Because you've stopped walking. And walking is to do, to act. Because when you act, you are implicitly changing. Now, psychologically, we also know that it's not always true. It simply isn't true that just do A and then again and again and again and again and again and you will be on a continual climb upwards. Perhaps that's why it's sometimes necessary to have the dramatic revolutionary act. There is a psychological process of what we call in Hebrew mitzvot anashim melumada you begin to do something and it doesn't have any effect on you because you're doing it automatically. Now the reason for that is what I described before. If you're doing it automatically then you're merely expressing yourself expressing yourself it's such a high and wonderful trait today Speak people have to express themselves Yiddish guy doesn't, doesn't, doesn't value it to express yourself to express the measly finite limited nothingness that you are who cares you have to express God not express yourself you have to express who you would be tomorrow who you would be in two days you have to express who you should be and who you could be not who you are but it could happen the Musa of Judaism recognizes a person gets into a rut. He's not doing bad things. He's doing what he always did. And it's not doing anything. He's not changing anything. And what he has to do then is either change his environment, pull himself up somehow, break the mold, or if God helps him out, God sends him an event which, which breaks the mold. So there's a certain distance between the true psychology and the true theory. Th- theology is not psychology. But theology here explains psychology. And the fact that there is a certain gap between the two in the real world is because it's a real world and not a theoretical world uh, is to be expected. So the Torah says, do the of day in, day out. And then Chazal and the bashkichim and muslim will say you know when you do the same thing day in day out you could ruin it the theory is still true you get stuck every day That every day you become more charitable at some point you're going to hit a plateau and you're going to get stuck now, when you hit a plateau it could be also even going downhill because not to move up means to go down and then you have to find a way or god will help you find a way not by stopping to give tzadaka, not by stopping to do good deeds, but to make sure the good deeds are are pulling. There's a bit of a, a bit of a, nisayana, a bit of a trial, a bit of a overcoming. There always has to be something to be overcome in what we do. And I have like to conclude with an extraordinary medrash that I think is based on that idea. Going back to Abba Mavinu. Be'elukim nisa et avam. As <laughs> says God tested. He set Avram to the test, meaning he gave Avram an opportunity to express a level of Yivat Hashem that he never had before. The says Eser nisyonot, asaran nisyonot Avinu. Avinu had in his life ten of these nisyonot, ten tests, ten trials. Now, the Midrash doesn't even list all the ten. And, two or three are more or less obvious, and then they start fishing around to how to get to number 10. I suspect very strongly that you may not even get to number 10. When you say something, we say so, something about somebody that he has 10 of these or 10 of those, we're trying to say that Avraham Binu's life consists of a string of trials. To be Avraham is to be tried. So the number 10 is like a magic number meaning a lot, or, or, or the fulfillment. It's the fulfillment of the numbers. There only are nine numbers, so 10 is all the numbers. Of course, the Rambino is also the person at whom the Torah says that he walked. All the time walked. The verb of Abraham's new life is to walk. To walk meaning to perfect himself, to rise, to climb. We would say to climb. The Torah says to walk. If that's true, then to quote myself from five minutes ago, if Avraham retires, if his career is to climb and transcend, then if he doesn't do that anymore, then he's going into retirement, and there's no meaning to his life. He's no longer producing value. So we have an extraordinary Medish. Medrash says that after the akeda Avraham says to God, I'm going to juice it up a little bit. If you allow me. He says to God, that wasn't Isaiah, right? God says, "Uh uh-huh. Avraham Avinu says, and I passed, right? And God says, "Uh uh-huh. Yes, very good. And then Avraham says, you know, I would like to ask you not to give me any more. In other words, Avraham Avinu has concluded that the next Nisayam is by definition will have to be on a higher level. Practically speaking, more difficult, more testing, a greater trial than the previous one. Because the whole point of these things is to Michael, Umi Madrigah, go from strength to strength, from step to step, Upward. And Barabino was saying to God that the Akeda, he, 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 he can't face the next step. He passed. It was just, it was just too much. Now, there's a, if I'm correct, there's a tremendous, I wouldn't say poignancy. It's a, it's a paradox. It's irony. Because Barabino, that's what has to be. And yes, that's why Barabino correctly understood that. He knew that God is planning the next trial for him. Because that's the meaning of life. But he chooses not to stand up to it. And the end of the message is that God grants His request. If that is true, if that's what you want, then you die. Die isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, you've finished your interaction with the real world. You go to the next world. What happens there? I don't know. Deep down, I suspect, personally, that at some point a person attains the ability to continue flying without trials and tribulations without actions that's the next world and maybe everyone, maybe the commonly held position that says the next world is just rest might be correct as well and it's not not walking you walk in this world and you rest in the next world could be but if you're not walking in this world then you should be dead God says Vino, you will live another 45 years no no walking after all, nothing happens in Raminu's life afterwards. We don't know anything he did. There are no more trials. But you will be able to enjoy. It's, it's a shachar. It's a, it's a gift of God. You can enjoy the benefits of living in this world. What are the benefits of living in this world? Another major says, Raminu died the day that his grandson Esav committed his first serious crime. Beginning of Pasha Toldot, Esav comes back from the field, the major says, after having killed a man, that's the day that Raminu died. In other words, God gave Avraham Binu forty-five years of having nachas min kinder. He gave him a chance to live in this world and to enjoy his grandchildren, but not to have to pay. I would say the price, the good price, because Avraham chose not to. Now, how do you explain why Avinu did that? And what does it mean? I don't know. You have to be in his shoes. He couldn't do any more after that. Okay, it was too wrenching, too torturing. The theory is a beautiful theory. It doesn't mean there isn't a, there isn't the price to pay. My theory of life is that you always have to strain to go upwards. Well, straining takes toll. And Rav ran out of strength to keep paying that toll at a point that's way ahead of any of us have found. So this is hardly being critical of Rav And if we should go to the next world. Kshmuchu has a special endowment. Gave him 45 years of basically living in a also living in hazeh in And that's all for today. We'll be back next week with more of a discussion of theology and Torah, culture.